Welcome to the SB Live California podcast. I'm your host, Connor Morissette. Joined this week with Bodie De Silva and Lance Smith, our two other California high school sports reporters. Guys, we made it. The school year is over. It's been a fantastic year in this post, I guess I shouldn't say post-COVID-19 era, but things are back to normal for the most part. We had a pretty normal athletic season this past year, which has been awesome. So let's recap it. That's what we're going to do today. Uh, Lance is joining us in Utah. Bodie's down in San Diego. Lance, how are you doing, man? Are you on vacation? I am. I'm in beautiful Zion Park. Uh, yesterday, it was 100 degrees with cold rain. I've never experienced that before. Uh, so all is well. Like you said, I'm so glad that we had a semi-normal sports year. And it's it's nice to be back on a podcast with you guys. Uh, might probably be a good few months or at least a couple months before we're back to that. So it's nice to be here with y'all. Yeah. Thanks, Lance, for joining us on your vacation. We won't keep you too long. <laughs> Bodie, how are you doing? Doing well. Um, just it's kind of actually feeling like we're we're done with the year now that all our postseason stuff's over and um, football will be here really before we know it. Elite 11 obviously coming up this week. So, Absolutely. OK, so I sent everyone some questions to kind of recap the end of the season, like I said. So the end of the year, I should say. So uh, the first one will go Bodie, Lance and then me. What was your favorite memory from this sports year, Bodie. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's tough going back to the fall because it, it does feel like so long ago at this point. But um, for football, I'm going to have to pick San Diego getting three teams into the CIF state championships and then following through and winning all three games. I think that was that was a really cool thing. Um, in so many years, San Diego's maybe gotten one, maybe two teams there. Um, but for all three teams to be on the big stage, because not all those games are are held at Saddleback, um, but for Cathedral Catholic to go in and take care of Folsom, Modern Day Catholic to take care of Central Catholic, and then Scripps Ranch, that was one of the better games all weekend, a last minute drive and beating Wilcox. So uh, that was something I'll look back on, such a great year for, for San Diego and football. And um, so many of those players that were impactful in those games are returning for another year. So um, I'm sure they'll use that as they get into this year and have that great experience. Certainly. Lance, how about for you? Favorite memory from this year? Yeah, I, I have a few that are all kind of tied. Uh, sticking with the San Diego uh, San Diego section football theme, uh, Cathedral Catholic beating Orange Lutheran 71-62 was one of the most wild things I've ever seen. Um, the sheer atmosphere of the Southern section girls basketball finals, Etiwanda versus Sierra Canyon. Uh, the game itself was great. Uh, seeing Etiwanda break through for the first time at that level was great, but just seeing that much excitement and atmosphere about girls basketball made me really happy. Um, back to football, uh, Apple Valley and Sarah from Gardena, both going through the injury bug and coming out to have incredible postseasons. Um, Sage Hill getting uh, their first ever state championship in basketball. A lot of those things are things we've touched on already in previous podcasts, so I won't delve into them. But uh, the, the only other thing I'll mention is perhaps the best game I've ever covered of any kind was the only non-California game I've ever covered of any kind. And that was in the Geico Champions Bowl uh, for football. Graham Kapowson of Washington upsetting Collins Hill of Georgia in probably the best game I've ever seen. So all, all of those, all of those threads have an argument to be made for uh, my favorite memory. Amazing for me, honorable mention, first of all, for the Southern section baseball quarterfinals in division one Notre Dame beating orange Lutheran five to four in extra innings. 
Notre Dame was leading four to nothing in the top of the seventh. They were at home. And then Orange Lutheran rallied for four runs. Casey Borba hit a three-run home run on a 3-2 count with two down to tie the game. So Orange Lutheran was literally down to its last strike. And that was really special. Notre Dame went on to walk it off in the eighth inning. That was an amazing game. But I think my favorite memory for me was modern day football beating Corona Centennial in the division one football playoffs, because that was one of the highest level high school football games that I've ever seen. It was an incredible chess match. Modern day's defense had two goal line stands. So it was really interesting to talk to Matt Logan, the Corona Centennial coach about why he decided to go for it on both of those occasions. Why not kick? Maybe that could have helped them out. The final was 21 16. So two field goals certainly would have helped them out. Elijah Brown, I don't want to say struggled, but didn't play his best game. That was the first time I'd kind of seen him off. And it was really interesting to see what Corona Centennial did. It was a combo of their defensive line and some great coverage in the secondary. Both defenses were, were suffocating. And then David Bailey and Relique Brown for modern day were the difference makers at the end. So that was a lot of fun, but just a really high level game. Like I said, even though on the other end of things, Lance, I know you saw Servite beat St. John Bosco, and that was a great game as well. But I just remember being really happy that I chose the modern day Corona Centennial game because it was such a fantastic chess match, a great battle. Uh, definitely one of my favorite memories from the past year. Best individual performance from this past year, Bodie. What you got for me there? Yeah, there's two uh, that I got to mention. And um, I think most importantly, they were both in, in championship games. The first one, I'll go with Canyon Crest left-handed pitcher Sam Garawal in the San Diego Section Division II championship. He was so good early on in the year, throwing shutouts against the best teams. And, and Canyon Crest, a newer school, they've not they're in a district with bigger schools, Torrey Pines, Lacoste Canyon. They haven't been the dominant school in the past, but um, Sam's worked his way up and then senior year comes out and throwing shutouts against everyone. Then he got touched around a little bit in the middle of the year, but they worked their way through a tough bracket and it lined up perfectly for him to pitch in the division two championship. And he tossed a, a one hitter. It was just a little flare into center struck out, uh, I believe 11 in that game against Montgomery. It felt like that game could have gone 11 or 12 innings and they still wouldn't have gotten another hit off him. Um, he was just so good that day. And um, a guy that I expect to, he has signed with Northwestern. And I think we'll see him there rather than the draft. And then the other one I'll mention is Jax Leatherwood, a game we were all at um, in that final against Wilcox for Scripps Ranch football uh, through 372 yards and four touchdowns. And they needed every last bit uh, as they scored there and got some penalty help on that last drive. But um, I know Jack said he knew that the defender or the, his receiver was being held. So he threw it that way, but came up so big in his first year as a starter and, I'm excited to see how uh, he progresses here into his final season. How about you, Lance? Best indi individual performance? Uh, this th There's one that stands out way above the rest. Uh, we brought up Cathedral Catholic beating Orange Lutheran 71-62 in the 1AA Regional Bowl game. Lucky Sutton, 488 total yards. Uh, that's it. Uh, 27 carries for 442 and 6. Uh, obviously career highs also had career highs in receiving uh, 46 yards to go with the touchdown. Um, it was the sheer production and dominance. And it was also the electrifying way he did it. Uh, just, you know, the breaking off the long runs that has fans on both sides of the stands uh, standing up in awe. So, so it could be years before I see anything like that again in any sport. For me, honorable mention to Caleb LeCount for, just willing King drew back into the open division basketball championship against Fairfax, even though they lost, he was just a one man show and 
that gym was electric. Russell Westbrook was there. That was a, a fun game. Fairfax led the whole way, but uh, King Drew never quit. And Caleb played so well, finishing with 33 points and just doing some miraculous things for, for a smaller guard. And then the best for me was Tetroa McMillan in football against Orange Lutheran. Survey won in a blowout, but McMillan caught four touchdowns. He had 207 receiving yards, and he made a one-handed interception in the game. Just a, a level above everyone on the field that night. Really, really impressive display for him. And I guess uh, this segues into my next piece, player of the year. I would stick with T-Mac because he was the most dominant player that that I cover this year across any sport. So uh Servite two-way player. He's now at Arizona. I'm excited to see what he does. But uh, yeah, the next question for you guys is who is your overall player of the year? We'll go Bodie Lance. I just gave you mine. Uh, so Bodie, overall player of the year for you. Yeah, I'm going to go with Malcolm Moore um, from McClatchy Baseball. We'd heard about him last year. Uh, was a little bit of surprise to me that he was um, the Gatorade player of the year as a junior because California did have several first round picks, but he he really backed it up again this year. I was glad to, uh, when McClatchy came down to play in the San Diego Lions tournament, got to go see him play in person and and just lived up to it. I mean, he, two straight years hitting over 500, was tied for the state lead with 13 home runs, 15 doubles. He walked 34 times, just everything you'd want. And and obviously he can catch two and, and is signed with Stanford. Maybe he enters the draft here. We'll see how it works out in a few weeks. But um, seeing him in person launch a line drive home run, it was just, it kind of lived up to everything I'd heard about and, and a really deserving candidate. I know he was our SAC Joaquin Athlete of the Year. So um, awesome to, to see him this year. Did you see him hit that home run against Ramona High School? I didn't. Uh, I think I've seen video of it, but yeah, it was not at that game. But yeah, balls are known to go out of Ramona and he did not miss them. Yeah, I interviewed him and his coach for that Sac Joaquin male athlete of the year story. And the coach said that was one of the furthest home runs he'd ever seen, which is really cool to hear. Player of the year for you, Lance. Yeah, this is a tough one this year. Uh, I, I, you mentioned Tetro McMillan. Can't go wrong with him. Malcolm Moore as far as, as, far as one sport guys go. Uh, another one sport athlete who you could make an argument was the most uh, dominant in their respective sport would be Michaela Castor, our Southern section athlete of the year for leading Oaks Christian to a division one Southern region championship. Uh, they were 34 and one. Uh, she was one of the best hitters in SoCal and probably the best, the best pitcher in SoCal, at least for someone who was able to play a full season. As far as two sport athlete goes, uh, I like Sydney Stewart. Uh, another one of the best softball players of the state, St. Francis, and one of the better uh, post players in the Bay Area. And for three sport guys, we already mentioned him, uh, Jax Leatherwood, with uh, the incredible football season, then winning state in basketball. And to be on top of that first team all CIF in volleyball is nuts. So uh, I, I think there's a lot of a lot of people who have an argument for this one. Certainly. All great players right there. Thank you guys. Which team surprised you the most this season, Bodie? Yeah, I'll, I'll bring it back to Scripps Ranch again, their football team, um, all their success. They won D2 in, in San Diego in the section title, and then obviously won the state title. But preseason, they weren't really on my radar for top 10 teams. Um, I'm always big on returning quarterbacks, and, and Jax Leatherwood was kind of the unknown. He took a few snaps in, in the games as a sophomore, but uh, for him to throw 52 touchdowns and two interceptions in his first year. And they had so many seniors step up to Jalen Shaw, Connor Lawler, Dylan Stoney. Um, that team just, it seemed like it was kind of the perfect fit. Everyone knew their role. And 
Um, once they got their one loss out of the way, which I happen to be at that game, and just a couple bad breaks on their end there to lose a league game at home. But after then, it just seemed like they were unstoppable and got injuries, guys back from injury at the right time, and um, just just kind of came through whenever they needed to. Which team surprised you the most this year, Lance? That would be Windward Girls Basketball. Uh, with a program like that, it doesn't matter who they have. They can lose Juju Watkins, and I, I still had them as a clear top 30 or 40 team in the state. But for them to be an easy top 20, probably top 15 team in the state uh, after losing Juju, losing some key seniors, losing their coach during, I, I think, late in league play, uh, Vanessa Nygaard obviously going to coach, uh, be a WNBA head coach, uh, to do all that and still win a Division I regional title uh, and then meet Salesian in the state championship game. They came up short. Um, I, I thought that was just incredible. Like I, I felt really good about having them in the 35 range and saying they're going to be solid because it's Windward. I just did not think they had the upside to be a top 20 team all year long. So uh, you got to shout out. We said Coach Nygaard, uh, Coach Ronald Cast, who took over for her. Sky Belker, their best player, uh, Maya Stokes, a senior who really stepped up, and uh, their freshman, Samari Bankhead, who uh, was a, a big name even coming into the season. But uh, I think that that team to do what they did and to not have as much depth either uh, as a lot of the other teams at their level uh, was was absolutely tremendous. So I cannot wait to see what they do next year. For me, it's the Venice High boys basketball team. They went on a Legendary run in the state tournament, beating Frontier, El Camino Real, Rancho Verde, Viewpoint, and then they fell to uh, Pleasant Valley 32 to 3, or excuse me, not 32 to 3. They fell to Pleasant Valley, who had a 32 and 3 record at the end of the season, who I thought probably shouldn't have been in Division 3. The Northern section has the thing where every team has to be in Division 3 or lower. I thought Pleasant Valley was a better team, but anyway. Venice played him tight all the way to the end. I kept thinking to myself in the state playoffs, oh, they'll probably lose that game. They'll probably lose that game. And they just kept winning, winning, winning. And I thought it wouldn't be as close for them in that state championship game. And it was. Tyler Hunt, their best player, is a sophomore. He played like a senior. Really incredible. They had a bunch of role players who, whenever they were called upon, hit a lot of great shots. David Galley, their coach, did an excellent job. Uh, and it was just a fun ride to, to cover with them. It, it's rare for a non-charter LAUSD school to go on a run like like Venice did and they were really good all year they battled some COVID bouts at, at times overcame that and if they bring a lot of the pieces back I know a lot of schools will be all over Tyler Hunt so if he stays at Venice and they come back next year that team's going to be really good again and I won't be surprised because of what they did this season. Bodie what was your favorite interaction with a player or coach from this past year? Yeah, as I just mentioned, with the one loss from Scripps Ranch, uh, the the game they lost was to Mira Mason. Kind of a surprise, but I did figure Mira Mesa would compete. But at the end of the game, Mira Mesa worked the ball down, got it right in uh, field goal territory, and brought out a freshman kicker, Eduardo Medina, and knocked in the the game winning field goal. And talking to him after was he was so calm. It was it was really incredible for a freshman at the varsity level to have kicked a, a field goal right down the middle to beat an undefeated team, a top 10 team in the section. And he just said, it's what I do. I've been practicing for years. And um, so I'm excited to see his development over the next few years because uh, kickers, you got to have that mentality. And for him to, to be knocking it through there as a game winner, as a freshman was, was really impressive. Lance, how about you? Favorite interaction with a player or coach? 
It's a little funny. Uh, we've talked about Birmingham girls basketball uh, in February and March, and uh, it was an incredible run for them to the to win the open division championship in the city section. What's kind of funny was I the previous year was kind of their year to what a lot of people thought was their year to compete uh, when they had Jana Holly as a junior. Uh, and who, and she was their best player this year as a senior, and they had a, a really good senior core around her. And um, so this year, I, I I was saying, you know, they're legit. I believe in them. They have a real shot, but they're an underdog. So kind of kind of both. Like yes, they're legit, but uh, they're not, you know, a heavy favorite. So I, after they won their championship, I was talking to Coach Coop, and uh, I, I asked him, you know, if they had a chip on their shoulder from being uh, an underdog or if they embrace the underdog mentality. And, uh, you know, he always, whenever I talk to him about stuff like that, he says, you know, oh, you know, you've talked us up. Like, we appreciate you supporting us and believing us. But what was really funny was he said, he also said, yeah, we've heard the underdog talk. And that really made us angry the whole year and fueled us. So it, it was just kind of funny, hard, hard to explain. But uh, knowing full well that I was one of the people saying they're legit, but they're an underdog, like they're a dark horse. Uh, it was just funny. It, it's funny to hear that. So um, that it was a it was a cool ride for Birmingham girls basketball, and and that little interaction at the end was uh, really funny and, and cool to hear. Amazing. I have one similar to that. I'll start there. I I got a few here. After Servite beat St. John Bosco in the D1 semifinals in football. I don't know if you guys remember, but that podcast that week, I went on and on about how I thought St. John Bosco was going to win and was going to win big. So at the championship luncheon at the Grand in Long Beach that next week, Troy Thomas, the survey coach, pulls me aside and you know how he's always kind of like this calm, cool, collected guy. He gives me a wink and goes, hey, thanks for believing in us. And at first I was like, uh, you're welcome. Oh, yeah, that podcast. Uh, sorry, coach. <laughs> so that that was funny. But I really like that because he didn't approach it with any anger or anything. He, he knows that we do our job and sometimes you're going to get a prediction wrong. So we, we laughed about it. And uh, that was a, a really, even though I got it wrong, that was a really fun interaction. Um, and uh, I really enjoyed that. Another one was Jay Sarah, head coach, Brett K after 15 or 16 years at, at the Jay Sarah baseball uh, head coach winning the, D1 title, just how pumped up he was. And then he goes, uh, I didn't want to be the Buffalo Bills tonight, coming back and, and losing again after being in the championship a year ago and, and falling to Harvard Westlake. So I thought that was a funny interaction. And then the last thing, my birthday was a few weeks ago and St. John Bosco safety Peyton Woodyard sent me a DM and said, happy birthday. And that really touched me. <laughs> that was so nice. Uh, so that was another great interaction. The Celtics had just won against uh, your Warriors, Lance. I know the Warriors got the last laugh, but I was riding high. And then I got that message and I was like, wow, let's go. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So those are my three. Okay. Something new you uh, that you guys did or discovered this year, Bodie, we'll start with you. Yeah. For me, getting out there to track and field was a different one this year, um, being at the San Diego section championship there and um, it, it's a little tough to concentrate with all the events going on at once and figuring out what you can really see in all the preliminary battles and, and the girls being in the morning, the guys being right after. And, um, but then when you see everyone and all the awards and medals that are being passed out is, is so cool and them all being up on the podium. And so really enjoyed that. It's definitely a long day, but 
Um, it's cool with so many different things and, and kind of you're, you're competing as your group, but you also are almost out there for just individual and you have to handle your battle and, and go after your award. So um, it's definitely different than, than almost anything else we cover that way, but I was fascinated to see how the whole thing works. And, and I, especially with the winners and those who qualify and go on to state the next week and, and how the section title means something, but they also know how big um, winning a state title in California is. How about you, Lance? Yeah, well, I finally got to cover some softball this year because, uh, of course, two years ago, this the season was cut short and last year it overlapped with basketball. So I only got to cover a very little bit of softball, but uh, it was awesome having a full softball season. Uh, part of it is just the sheer amount of talent in California, much like most of the other sports we cover. Uh, it's just wow how many of the better players in the country are here uh, playing against each other. Um, and uh, for me, I guess one of the things I was really excited about for softball was figuring out where the nuances were that were different from baseball, having grown up playing baseball and watching baseball. But um, I always thought softball pitching was a wild phenomenon. Uh, if, if anyone out there has never tried to uh, underhand throw a ball uh, more than 20 miles an hour, uh, then I, I suggest you try it before the next time you watch a softball game. And then keep in mind that some of these girls are 5'2", 95 pounds, and they're throwing upwards of 60 miles an hour. Uh, and with, with change-ups or uh, breaking balls that dive feet, um, it, it's, it's incredible. And uh, I, I guess I'll, I'll save more of, the, more of the details for when I know a little bit more of how that works. But um, there's a lot, of, a lot of differences in the pitches they throw. Um, definitely look forward to breaking it down in, in, in future seasons. Um, I've actually been uh, talking with some uh, pitching coaches uh, saying, hey, will you will you teach me some of these nuances so I can kind of relay it to some of our fans? Uh, and the other thing with softball that I truly did not I had never heard of uh, is the art of slapping, which is uh, lefty players who are fast uh, running out of the out of the batter's box, uh, almost like a swinging drag bunt. But that's what they do every time. A lot of them aren't left handers. Um, but it's it's a very unique thing in softball that uh, a lot of times you have kids who grew up being a righty hitter and are good hitters, uh, but they get into slapping in softball. Um, so as long as you have one foot in the batter's box, you're good. And sometimes that other foot is way out of the batter's box and they're already running up the line before they even make contact with it. So uh, that's a, a, a bizarre but cool phenomenon that I truly knew nothing about until this season. And uh, certainly a lot of the best, a lot of the best contact hitters and, or just players in general in, in California are slappers. So um, that's that's a, a cool art form, I guess, that uh, I look forward to uh, just seeing more of. Interesting. And I remember it's not on the mound. It's in the circle when talking about pitching. That took me a little bit uh to get used yep. to, I would write a few on the mounds and people would say, all right, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh, so interesting. I never really heard of, I, I've seen slapping, but I didn't know it was called that land. So, so that's interesting. Um, okay. For me, something new that I did or discovered a few things first going up to Sacramento for the CIF state basketball championships. That was a first for me this year. thought we did a great job. Me and Lance and Todd Shirtliff was up there as well. That was a blast. Just, I think, what was it? Six games. Friday, six games, Saturday, and would switch off girls, boys. 
I remember getting a little sick after that because we worked really hard and didn't sleep a lot, but uh, it was a, the memories are fun. The sickness afterwards was not. Uh, Dodger Stadium was awesome. I had never been there to cover city section championship games, so I got to do that a few weeks ago, or I guess a month ago now. That was really fun. And then lastly, I started out here in L.A. covering exclusively the city section. It will always hold a special place in my heart. So going out to a new city section football game this year, covering one at Lincoln High School, really pretty stadium with L.A. in the, in the backdrop, downtown L.A. You could see the buildings and it was up on a perch, the, the field. That was really cool. Covering a game there was a really fun new experience for me. Two other questions for you guys before we wrap up. What was the favorite? What was your favorite story that you wrote this year, Bodie? Yeah, I'll go back to a first round football uh, playoff game, Division Two. Uh, it was a game that I thought was kind of seeded incorrectly, so that's why I went there. It was the 11 seed Bishops, so a really small private school uh, at Rancho Bernardo, who's a bigger North County public school, and Bishops barely has 20 kids on the roster, but those they have that are always seem prepared and have former college players and NFL players on staff there. And just a wild game overall. Bishops was up seven to two at halftime, uh, then fell behind, then we drove drove down, had a huge passing play, got down right there in field goal range inside the five yard line. And, and Rancho Bernardo talking to head coach Tristan McCoy after the game, they were debating on, do you go off sides to get the field goal closer because it was going to be on the left hash to give Bishops a worse angle. And they ultimately did go off sides and pushed them closer and the field goal went off the upright. And so just getting to kind of figure out his mindset and, and write about that after when it was something that it's almost like you'd play around with, but, oh, I don't want to do that. You don't want to make them closer or whatever. And they ultimately thought, look, if we, we got to do something, otherwise he's just going to knock this field goal right through. And um, so that was a, a fun one that I remember after of kind of something outside of the box that um, a staff went with, it paid off and ended up winning the playoff game the next week after as well. Nice. I feel awful for that kicker though, but yeah, <laughs> what a, what an impressive strategy. Uh, Lance, how about you? Favorite story you wrote? You know, I'm going to have to pass for this one. I gave it a lot of thought and I just, I couldn't quite pick one that stood out that I felt comfortable being like, yes, this is the one that I enjoyed the most. So um, next year, promise to have a better answer for you, but I'm going to pass this time around. No problem. For me, going back all the way to August, I was happy with the modern day column that I wrote after they kicked Duncanville pretty good uh, at Duncanville. It was pretty obvious after that game that modern day was the best team, even though I had St. John Bosco number one to begin the season. Whoops. <laughs> um, but I thought I predicted a few things in that column and they came true. So I, I was happy uh, writing that. Okay, we'll get out of here with this. Bodie, what are you most excited about for next year? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's fair to pick one sport or one season because truly enjoy all of them. And obviously football and fall sports will be up first. Um, but I think especially with this senior class, they're the ones that were the first ones kind of affected there with um, having freshman year cut short. And each year that they're kind of out of it, I, I just – I don't know that it'll affect their play or anything. I just think each year that we get further and further into a full season, uh, just get back to the the normal stuff that we've been used to. So um, hopefully we things keep moving in that direction. And um, this class has obviously had to per persevere and, and deal with it so much over their time and um, have, have dealt with so many different strategies and, and rules and um, cancellations and, and how they're going to go about it. So um, hopefully this this class that, that dealt with it early on will get to finish off their senior way um, the correct way. Definitely. How about you, Lance? What are you most excited about for this upcoming season? 
Yeah, well, I got to echo what Bodhi said, which is more than anything, I'm just excited about COVID being farther in the past, both for those kids, uh, just exactly how Bodhi broke it down. And I think also uh, for us, our jobs, like it's our job to be as close to the situation as possible and kind of have that human human contact element uh, with the coaches and players and teams. And uh, I think just more the, the the farther back in the past COVID is, the the more natural the return to our what we do will be um, a, a few other specifics uh, for girls basketball. I'm excited to see uh, Etiwanda, Sierra Canyon and La Jolla country day again, be three of the best teams in the country. And I think all, in fact, I'm sure that is if they're all healthy, uh, all three will be better than they were last year. Um, so I'm excited for that. I'm on the boys basketball side. I'm excited to have uh, kind, kind of what appears to be a shifting landscape. Uh, so many headlines around Sierra Canyon. Um, I, I guess, I guess, just that. I, I think it could be more wide open than usual. Um, a lot of the familiar faces, like Centennial, could you know reign dominant again. But uh, it, it could be a whole different, just a whole different landscape. Uh, and then speaking of Centennial, I guess uh, on the football side, uh, the fact that they have a chance to really shake up the the football hierarchy this year, even if it's only for one year. Uh, we saw Servite shake it up last year, knocking St. John Bosco out, which was definitely another candidate for uh, favorite things I've covered last year. Um, but I think I think if Centennial could really spoil uh, the Trinity League party the way they came so close to doing last year, like you just talked about, um, that would be exciting. And then finally, just, uh, you know, th this season was kind of my foray into softball. Next season, it's going to be full blast softball. So uh, simply more softball and making making my softball coverage better. Uh, that's that's another thing I'm really pumped about. So uh, just in so many ways, I, I just couldn't be more excited for next year. Amazing, amazing. For me, looking at the three big sports that I do, football, it seems like St. John Bosco, modern day, you, you said Corona Centennial, I'd agree with that, Lance, but those are the three that will probably win, if we're being honest, and it's probably going to be a Trinity League team. But like you said, don't rule out. Corona Centennial in basketball looks like it's Corona Centennial's year. Again, some other teams will be in the mix, but they bring back so much talent once again. So I'm really excited about baseball next year because I really think that there are four teams, at least right now in June of 2022, will have a chance next spring. Jay Sarah, who won this year, will be very good again. Villa Park brings back Gavin Grahovic, who is one of the best players in the country, will be an MLB draft guy. Uh, next year. Harvard Westlake had some injuries this year, but they're going to bring back some really great pitching. Bryce Rayner is expected to pitch next year, so they'll be right in the mix again. Huntington Beach will be great again after winning the D1 Southern Regional this year. And Orange Lutheran is always really good as well. So for me, that's five teams who I think will have a really good shot. You can never rule out Cyprus. Servi will be good again, but I really think it's going to be as wide open as we've seen it and really talented. This year's senior class in Southern Section High School Baseball, a lot of great players, but not a lot of MLB draft guys. Next year, it's going to be a really, really good crop of draft guys, which means that senior class next year, junior class now, will be really, really talented, more so than this season. And I think because of that, a lot of teams will have a chance to win next year in D1, and I am really excited about that. Guys? That's it. Lance, go back to your vacation. Bodie, start a vacation. I'll start one next week. Uh, thanks so much for doing this. This was the uh, SB Live California podcast. I'm your host, Connor Morissette. Thank you to Lance Smith and Bodie Da Silva for joining me. We will see you guys next time.